0: It is worth mentioning, among other things, that Abdul Hakim Khan, like his ilk, has accused me that I have been telling lies and that I am a Dajjal, deceiver, corrupt, and an embezzler. In his booklet, Al-Masih dajjal he has listed a number of my vices. Thus he has called me selfish, egotistical, arrogant, antichrist, Satan, ignorant, insane, great liar, lazy, corrupt, one who breaks his word and an embezzler. He has accused me of many other vices which are written in his booklet al Masiyud al Jal. Indeed, these are the same vices which the Jews still impute to Hazrat Isa. It is indeed an occasion for rejoicing that the Jews of this ummah have attributed to me exactly the same vices. But I do not want to reply to all these allegations and abuses. Instead, I leave all this to God." If indeed I am what Abdul Hakim and his ilk think I am, then who would be a greater enemy of mine than God Almighty? But if, in the estimation of God, I am not like this, then to my mind the better course would be to leave it to God Almighty to rebut these allegations. Such is always the way of God, and when no decision can be reached on earth, he assumes charge of the dispute regarding any of his messengers and decides the issue himself. Were any of my opponents to reflect, their allegations too proved to be a miraculous sign in my support. I am, according to them, such a depraved and wicked man that on the one hand I have been fabricating lies about God Almighty for as many as 25 years, that during the night I concoct Mm -hmm. a few things and in the morning pronounce them to be the revelation from God, and on the other I have been cruel to God's creatures in that I have misappropriated thousands of rupees Mm -hmm. of their money." I break promises, I tell lies, harm their interests for my egotism, and I possess within me all the vices of the world. Yet still the grace of God, not his wrath, descends upon me. God keeps my enemies frustrated in every plot that is hatched against me, and in spite of thousands of those sins, fabrications, injustices, and corrupt practices, I am neither struck by lightning nor made to sink in the earth. On the contrary, I am the beneficiary of assistance during every confrontation with all enemies. As a result, I have been saved despite the multitude of their attacks. Footnote start. In the court of Captain Douglas, the deputy commissioner, a case of murder was filed against me. I was acquitted of this charge. Rather, I was informed beforehand of my acquittal. I was also prosecuted for violation of the postal code the punishment for which was a jail term for six months. Of this too, I was saved, and I was informed of this acquittal beforehand. Similarly, in the court of Mr. Dewey, the deputy commissioner, a criminal case was instituted against me. From this too, I was exonerated by God, and my enemies were frustrated in their designs. In this case too, I was informed of my release beforehand. Again, a man named Karamdin filed a criminal case against me in the court of Sansarjand, a magistrate of Jhelum. From this too I was acquitted and the news of my acquittal was communicated to me beforehand by God Almighty. Another criminal case was filed against me by the same Karamdin in Gurdaspur, from which I was also acquitted and God told me of the acquittal beforehand. Similarly, my enemies mounted eight attacks against me and were frustrated in all eight. Thus was fulfilled the divine prophecy which was recorded 25 years ago in Ibrahim Ahmadiyya, namely, Allah will help you in every field. Is this not a miraculous sign? Footnote end. And despite thousands of obstructions, God has increased the number of my followers to hundreds of thousands. Therefore, if this is not a miracle, then what is it? Let my opponents produce an example equal to it if they have one. Otherwise, what can I say other than the curse of Allah be upon liars? Do they have any precedent of a fabricator of lies for 25 years who was granted hundreds of signs of Allah's assistance and support despite his fabrication of lies for such a long time and was saved from each and every attack of his enemies? Then produce it if you are truthful. In short, the dispute between us and the opponents has now reached the limit. He who has sent me will now himself adjudicate this case. If I am truthful, the heavens will certainly bear such strong testimony for me that people will tremble. But if I have been an offender for 25 years who concocted lies against God for this prolonged period, how can I escape? In such a case, even if all of you should befriend me, I'm still ruined because God's hand is against me. O ye people, bear well in mind that I'm not the fabricator. I am the oppressed. I'm not the imposter. I'm the truthful. I've been wronged far too long. This is what God Almighty said 25 years ago and was published in Brahina Ahmadiyya, namely, the revelation of God that a warner came unto the world, but the world accepted him not. Yet God shall accept him and demonstrate his truthfulness with mighty assaults. This revelation belongs to the time when there was neither any invitation on my part, nor was there any denier. These words were merely in the form of a prophecy which have been fulfilled by the opposing clerics. Thus they have been perpetrated what they pleased. Now is the time for the manifestation of the second sentence of this prophecy, namely, the sentence that, Yet God shall accept him and demonstrate his truth with powerful assaults. What a pity that they did not benefit at all from the signs of God Almighty, which were so openly manifested, whereas some of the signs which they could not understand were used as the basis of objection. I, therefore, now know that this verdict will not take long. Great injustice was committed under heaven, in that these people perpetrated whatsoever they wished and wrote whatsoever they liked against an appointee of God. It is strange that on page 45 of his booklet, Zikrul Hakim, Abdul Hakim Khan writes about me, quote, I have no equivocation about you. I still believe that you are the like of the Messiah, that you are the Messiah, and that you are like the prophets, quote, end. Again on page 12 of the same book, from line 15 to 20, there is a passage affirming my claim, which is produced here in bold letters. There was one Malvi Muhammad Hazanbaegh, a maternal cousin of mine who was bitterly opposed to your gracious self. I was informed concerning him in a dream that if he persisted in his opposition of the Messiah of the age, he would die of the plague. His residence was outside the city in a well-ventilated and commodious house. I related this dream to his real brother, uncle, and other relatives. A year later, he did die of the plague. See Abdul Hakim's booklet, Zikrul Hakim, page 12. Now take note that on the one hand, he not only acknowledges that I am the promised Messiah, but also quotes a dream which turned out to be true. Thereafter, at the end of the same book, as well as in his booklet, Al-Masih Al-Dajjal, he names me as a dajjal and Satan and denounces me as being an embezzler, a rogue and an impostor. It is rather strange that Abdul Hakim Khan has not cared to space these two contradictory statements even by a few days. On one hand, he called me the promised Messiah and testified to my truthfulness with his dream, On the other, he called me a deceiver and an imposter. I do not care why he did this, but let everyone ponder that the condition of this man is like one who is not in his senses, in that he is a glaring contradiction in what he affirms. On the one hand, he pronounces me the true messiah and even quotes the true dream of his, which was fulfilled as testimony to my truthfulness. On the other, he considers me worse than all the disbelievers. Could there be a more egregious contradiction? As for the faults that he attributes to me, he should have pondered that whereas the dream had already testified to my truthfulness to him, and God Almighty had even caused Hasan own bag to die of a plague as testimony to my truthfulness, then did God kill him for the sake of a Dajjal, and did God not know the faults which he, Abdul Hakim, came to know twenty years later? Footnote start. Now it is incumbent upon Abdul Hakim to visit Muhammad Hassan Berg's grave and cry his eyes out, saying, O oh brother, you were right in your rejection and I was wrong. Do forgive me my sin. Ask God and do let me know why he killed you for the sake of an imposter and deceiver. Footnote N. Footnote start. It is worth considering that for a person who for twenty years, in writing and in speech, Persisted in supporting me and disputing with the opponents, what new discovery has he now made after twenty years? The faults he has listed are indeed the very ones which he himself used to answer in my defense. Footnote end. His excuse that he might have had satanic dreams and that his dream was also satanic in nature would not be acceptable. I can accept this much that on account of his innate compatibility with Satan— he might have been experiencing satanic dreams and satanic revelations, but I cannot accept that his dream, cited above, was a satanic dream for the simple reason that Satan has not been granted the power to kill anyone. Footnote start. This too is a sign of Abdul Hakim not being in his right mind, that he considers this dream of his to be satanic, a dream in which Muhammad Hassan bears death, was foretold and in accordance with which Muhammad Hassan Bagh also died. It seems that the frenzy of opposition has made him lose his senses. How can a dream be false when actual events proved it to be true and thus established its divine origin? False and egoistic dreams are indeed those which he is seeing now contravening it and which do not bear any stamp of truth. But the earlier dream did not have any trace of Satan's influence. For it was fulfilled in the shape of an awe-inspiring event. Also, the master of life and death is the name of God Almighty, not Satan. Of course, this true dream does not prove any excellence on the part of me, Abdul Hakim. For even Pharaoh experienced a true dream in the time of Hazrat Yusuf, Joseph. Even arch-disbelievers at times experienced true dreams. The elect of God are distinguished not by a solitary dream or two, but by a vast knowledge of the unseen and by the unique gift of God's help. Footnote, End But of course, satanic dreams and satanic revelations are what he currently experiences in his present state of hostility towards me, for they do not have any sign of the power of God with them. Therefore, he must try his best to ward Satan off. Among other things worth mentioning is the fact that, I quite like the rest of my opponents, Abdul Hakim Khan, in the, his booklet, Al-Masih Dajjal, has tried to deceive the public by suggesting that my prophecies have been proven false. Accordingly, after quoting the prophecy about Abdullah tham and the one about Ahmed Baikh's son-in-law and the one about Muhammad Hussein Batalavi, and some of his companions, he has claimed that they were not fulfilled. However, I have written a number of times concerning these prophecies that they have been fulfilled in conformity with divine practice. I have explained hundreds of times concerning Abdullah Atham and also about Ahmad Baal and his son-in-law that both these prophecies were conditional in nature. The prophecy regarding Abdullah Atham stated in as many words that he would die within 15 months provided he did not turn to the truth. And additionally, it did not have the explicit wording provided he became a Muslim. To turn to is a phrase which relates to the condition of one's heart. Footnotes start. If it is prophesied about someone that he will become a leper in 15 months, and instead of the 15th month, he becomes a leper in the 20th month, with the result that his nose and the rest of the limbs fall off, will such a person have the right to claim that the prophecy was not fulfilled? One should consider the substance of the issue. With no end. Accordingly, Abdullah Al-Tham in the same meeting, comprising of about 60 to 70 persons, displayed signs of turning to truth after hearing the prophecy. That is, when I informed him after reading out the prophecy that, in your book you have used the term Dajjal about our noble prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. In retribution thereof, it is prophesied that your life shall end within 15 months. At this he turned pale, hung his tongue out, placed both hands on his ear, and said aloud that he had never given the name Dajjal to the holy prophet. May peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Footnote start. It's quite clear from these words that Abdullah Tam did withdraw from saying Dajjal, and this very word was in fact the primary cause of this prophecy. Footnote end. From amongst the Muslims present at the meeting, There was a prominent citizen of Amritsar, perhaps named Yusuf Shah. Also, there were a large number of Muslims and Christians, in particular there was Dr. Martin Clark, from among the Christians who later filed a murder case against me. They should be asked to testify on oath whether this incident did or did not occur. If these words were in fact uttered by Abdullah tham then consider whether these words were of haughtiness and mischief or of humility, submission, and recantation. As for myself, I have never heard a Christian utter such words of humility and cordiality in all my life. On the contrary, I have seen most of their books to be full of invective against the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. When an adversary, i.e. Abdullah Atam, denied ever uttering the word Dajjal, with such submission and humility in the midst of the debate, and thereafter remained silent for as many as fifteen months. Rather, he continued to weep. Then he did not have the right in the estimation of God Almighty that God should grant him a reprieve in keeping with the stipulation. Footnote. The point worth remembering is that there was a prophecy regarding the death of Abdullah Atam and there was a prophecy regarding the death of Lekram as well. But Abdullah Atam showed humility and submissiveness His death, therefore, took place after the delay of a few months. But Lekram, after coming to know of the prophecy, showed audacity and in marketplaces and gatherings continued to vilify our prophet. May peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. This is why, well before the lapse of the stipulated time frame, he was seized, and with over a year still to go, he was killed. With Abdullah Atham, God Almighty manifested his attribute of grace, and with Lekram, his attribute of awe-shaking majesty. He is the all-powerful, he can decrease and he can increase. Flip, end. Even so, he did not survive for long and died only a few months later. He never displayed any audacity after recantation. Whatever is attributed to him is the Christian's own trickery. In short, the essence of the prophecy related to his death in keeping with which he indeed died during my lifetime. God Almighty prolonged my life whilst he terminated his life. How unjust and bigoted it is to keep on insisting that he did not die during the prescribed period. O ignorant one, are you unaware of the story of Eunice, Jonah, as mentioned in the Holy Quran? There was no condition attached to the prophecy of Eunice. Even then, with repentance and remorse, his people were spared. Despite the definitive divine promise about his people that they would certainly perish within 40 days, but did they perish within 40 days in keeping with this prophecy? You can, if you so desire, study their account in Duremantur, or even review the book of Jonah. Why are you so exceedingly impertinent? Will you not die one day? Impertinence and dishonesty can never coexist with faith. As for Ahmed Baer, son-in-law, I've pointed out again and again as well that this prophecy too was conditional. The wording of the condition already published in my announcements was as follows These are revealed words, and the addressee therein is the maternal grandmother of the woman with whom the prophecy is concerned. Once at Hoshiarpur, I read out this revelation to a member of Malvi Abdullah's children. Perhaps the person's name was Abdul Rahim or Abdul Wahid. The translation of these real words is, Woman, be penitent, be penitent, for the calamity is about to befall your daughter and the daughter's daughter. This prophecy contained a warning regarding Ahmed Berg and his son-in-law. Accordingly, Ahmed Berg died within the stipulated time frame, and that woman's daughter was overtaken by the calamity, for she was Ahmed Baer's wife, and her relatives were overwhelmed by great fear, Due to the death of Ahmed Bahr, so much so that some of them even wrote letters to me with humility and earnestness requesting prayer. Footnote start. It is surprising that those who repeatedly talk of Ahmed Baer's son-in-law never mention that a part of his prophecy has already been fulfilled. Because Ahmed Baer had died within the prescribed time frame, had they even an ounce of honesty, they would have admitted that of the two parts of the prophecy— one part had been fulfilled, and of the two legs, one had been broken. But bigotry is a strange curse that does not allow the word of justice to utter forth from the tongue, would not end. God, therefore, on account of that fear and so much humility and earnestness of theirs, delayed the fulfillment of the prophecy. In respect of the prophecy regarding mawli Muhammad Hussain and his companions that was spelled out in the Revelation of God Almighty, No date was fixed. It was merely my words in my supplication and were not the words of revelation. It was only my supplication that sought something to happen within a specified time. Indeed, God Almighty does abide by his word. He is under no obligation to meticulously observe what is supplicated from him. This is why the prophecy as published in Arabic does not contain any time frame to the effect that he would be disgraced in a particular month or year. Of course, it is well known that in respect of the prophecies of warning, God Almighty reserves the right to delay them on account of someone's humility and earnestness or in his own accord. All Sunnis, in fact all prophets, peace be upon them, agree that since a prophecy of warning is a divine decree for an affliction to overtake someone, it can be averted with the help of charity, almsgiving, penitence, and seeking forgiveness. The only difference is that if God Almighty keeps the knowledge of such an affliction to himself and does not reveal it to any of his messengers, it is simply known as an ordained affliction that is hidden in the will of God. But if God bestows knowledge of this affliction upon any of his messengers, it becomes a prophecy. All nations of the world agree that impending afflictions, whether expressed in the explicit shape of a prophecy or hidden in the implicit will of God, can be averted through charity, almsgiving, penitence, and seeking forgiveness. This is why people are wont to give alms and charity in time of distress. Otherwise, who would indulge in futile exercise? All prophets agree that charity, alms-giving, penitence, and seeking forgiveness wards off calamity. It is my personal experience that God Almighty at certain times informs me of an impending affliction concerning me or my children, or some friend of mine, when prayer is offered for averting it, another revelation comes that we averted this affliction. Hence, if prophecies of warning are inevitable, I can be proved wrong scores of times. If our opponents and ill-wishers are so fond of indulging and rejecting me in this way, I can keep them informed with the sole desire of many a prophecy of this kind and of their consolation." It is recorded in our Islamic commentaries of the Holy Quran and in the Bible that once a prophet prophesied about a king that he had only 15 days left in his life. But the king cried in supplication throughout the night. At this, the prophet received another revelation that we have exchanged 15 days with 15 years. As I have pointed out before, this incident is recorded in our own books and those of Jews and Christians as well. Now would you say that the prophet who had prophesied that the king had only 15 days left of his life and that he would die after 15 days was proven false in this prophecy? It is indeed God's mercy that the system of abrogation by him of the prophecies of warning is in place, so much so that even where the warning of eternal damnation for disbelievers is made in the Holy Quran, it also contains this verse. Surah Hud Chapter 11, verse 108 of the Holy Qur'an, meaning that The disbelievers shall abide in hell forever, except if your Lord wishes otherwise. For whatever he pleases, he has the power to carry out. But the same was not said about the dwellers of paradise, for in their case, it is a promise, not a warning. Footnote start. The Holy Qur'an repeatedly mentions eternal hell as a punishment for the disbelievers and idolaters. It is repeatedly said, wherein they shall abide for a long, long period. Surah Nisa, chapter 4, verse 170 of the Holy Quran. Despite this, the Holy Quran also says about the denizens of hell, accepting what your Lord may will. Surah Hud, chapter 11, verse 108 of the Holy Quran. The Hadith too contain this, meaning that a time shall come upon hell when there will be no one left in it morning breeze shall rattle its doors some collections mention this hadith in persian what else can i do if i do not forgive this handful of dust it would not end finally i say with great emphasis and with great assertion and with great discernment that in response to all the objections Dr. Abdul Hakim Khan and the clerics of his ilk have raised against my prophecies. I can demonstrate that, of all great prophets, there is not a single prophet who does not have an objection similar to these against one of his prophecies. I will not just present the incident of Eunice, rather I shall present the like of it from the prophecies of Hazrat Musa, Hazrat Isa, and the chief of the prophets, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, or from the word of God. But I would like to know if all these people would be prepared at that time to repudiate all these prophets, and would they be ready, consequent to the presentation of such evidence on my part, to abuse them as they abuse me, and denounce them as impostors, as they have denounced me as an impostor. O ignorant and sightless ones, why do you ruin your hereafter? Alas! Why do you deliberately fall into the fire and why have you deviated from faith and righteousness to the extent that you are not even fearful as to which of the holy and sacred ones will be affected by these objections? God Almighty says in the Holy Quran of Surah Al-Mu'min, chapter 40, verse 29 of the Holy Quran, meaning that if this prophet is an imposter, he will himself perish, for God does not allow an impostor's task to be accomplished, because otherwise it will render the case of a truthful claimant and that of an impostor indistinguishable. And if this messenger is truthful, some of his prophecies of warning will certainly come to pass. The word some that figures in this verse clearly indicates that it is not necessary that all these prophecies of warning, i.e., regarding punishment, that a true messenger makes, will be fulfilled. Of course it is essential that some of them must come to pass, as is indicated in the foregoing verse. Some of that which he threatens you with will surely befall you. Just open your eyes and see the might and splendor with which the prophecy about Lake Ram was fulfilled from amongst the few prophecies of warning I had announced. It was even prophesied about him that he would not die of an ordinary death, Instead, the wrath of God would put an end to him by means of a stratagem of some kind. And it was also foretold that his death would take place next to Eid. It was also indicated that plague would break out in the country after his incident. Furthermore, it was also disclosed that this was not a mere prophecy. Rather, this incident would be a result of my prayer against him, for his invectives against the Holy Prophet wasallam had reached their limit, Hence, the wrath of God, who does not want the honor of our holy Prophet, may pleasing and blessings of Allah be upon him, to be sullied, overtook Legram and killed him with an agonizing chastisement. Also, one needs to consider how clearly the prophecy about Ahmed Beh, who was ever ready to refute me and ridicule me day and night, manifested itself. He died of typhoid fever in a hospital in hoshiarpur and his death caused a great tumult among his relatives. He is the same Ahmed Behr, about whose son-in-law my opponents are still lamenting and wailing as to why does he not die. They do not realize that Ahmed Behr was indeed the right leg of the prophecy and by dying suddenly in his prime, he proved that the prophecy is true. Similarly, as we laid down in the prophecy that close to Ahmed Baag's death, other deaths of his relatives too shall take place. So this has also been fulfilled in as much as Ahmed Baag's son and two of his sisters died in those very days. Now let my opponents answer whether this part of the verse came true for him or not. Some of that which he threatens you with will surely befall you. Surah al mumin chapter 40, verse 29 of the Holy Quran. Therefore, when they, for their part, have to admit that some of my prophecies of warning have been fulfilled with perfect clarity, why then, despite their claim to being Muslims, can they not keep in view the noble verse? Is it that they are secretly prepared for apostasy? These are strange objections that after the prophecy, efforts were made to get Ahmed Beg's daughter handed marriage, an inducement was offered and letters were written. It is true that extreme prejudice turns a person blind. No Malvi can be ignorant of the fact that if the divine revelation discloses something by way of a prophecy, and if one can fulfill it without recourse to mischief or illegal means, it is not only permissible... But it is also laudable. This was the practice of the Holy Prophet to try and bring about the fulfillment of the prophecy. That Hazrat Umar made a companion wear gold bangles is an added argument. Also, the Holy Quran had a prophecy about the progress of Islam. Why was then such an intense effort made for its progress, so much so that hundreds of thousands of rupees were given away by way of attempts to win the hearts of the people? In the present case, the original move for the acquisition of land, etc., was made by Ahmad Baag himself. Moreover, it is worth pondering that, on the one hand, there are just these two or three prophecies which are opponents on account of their lack of understanding, quote again and again, the filthy leftovers of which Abdul Hakim was also forced to eat. But on the other, a river of science is flowing from God Almighty in my support, of which these people are not unaware. Hardly a month passes in which no sign appears. No one casts a glance at these signs. They do not see what God is saying. On the one hand, the plague is virtually proclaiming that the days of doom are close at hand, and on the other, such extraordinary earthquakes as had never hit this land before are announcing that the wrath of God is raging upon the earth. New calamities descend with great frequency, indicating that there is a change in the world order. It seems God Almighty intends to unleash some great terrible calamity. I am informed beforehand of every calamity that appears, and I publicize it through newspaper, periodicals, or poster. Thus, I exhort again and again towards repentance, for the earth is about to be visited by so many calamities, as if a sudden dark sandstorm is approaching, as happened in the days of Pharaoh when the initial minor signs were shown, and thereafter that ultimate sign was shown, which upon... Witnessing even Pharaoh had to proclaim, I believe that there is no God but He in whom the children of Israel believe. Surah Yunus chapter 10, verse 91 of the Holy Quran. By way of a sign, God Almighty shall cause a cataclysm to happen through each of the four elements, and the world will be visited by major earthquakes until it will be hit by one that resembles doomsday. It is then that every nation shall mourn because they fail to recognize their time. This indeed is the meaning of the revelation of God. A warner came unto the world, but the world accepted him not. Yet God shall accept him and demonstrate his truthfulness with mighty assaults. This revelation received 25 years ago was recorded in Ibrahim Ahmadiyya. It shall be fulfilled in these days. Let him who has ears hear. Footnote start. God Almighty has not merely told me that there will be earthquakes, etc., and other afflictions in the Punjab, because I have not been raised just for the Punjab. Rather, I have been commissioned for the reformation of the inhabitants off to the farthest reaches of the earth. So I tell you truly that these calamities and earthquakes are not specific to the Punjab, but the whole world will partake of these calamities." As there are many parts that have been destroyed in America, etc., the same hour is to be encountered by Europe someday, and then this terrible day has been destined for the Punjab and India and every part of Asia. He who will survive shall be witness. Footnote end. I have written here only about those two or three prophecies to which our opposing clerks and their new apprentice, the Hakim Khan, have repeatedly objected. As opposed to it, I wanted to demonstrate how large the number is of heavenly signs from God that testify for me, but alas, were all these signs to be recorded, no book, not even one comprising a thousand ajsa, parts, would be large enough to accommodate them. Therefore, only by way of specimen I will record 140 of them. Of them, some are prophecies made by the earlier prophets, which have been fulfilled in my support. Some are the prophecies made by the spiritual elites of this Ummah, while there are some signs from God which were manifested in my hands. Since those prophecies have precedence over my prophecies in terms of time, it was therefore considered proper to accord them precedence in recording as well. And all of these prophecies will be enumerated in one series and are as follows.